are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the conference every day of the week. Alongside Jacob Brood, host of Locked On Hoosiers, I'm Nate Dickinson. We're here today to discuss off-season stuff. Off-season stuff is huge now with us having stuff to do every single day. So when something as foolish as a list of the top coaches in college football come out, maybe it's not foolish to have the conversation, but in the middle of May, it's something to do. And Jacob's here to do it with us as we look at what CBS Sports has as the top Power Five college football conferences, 65 all the way down to one. This is a list ranked by CBS experts we were just talking about. They don't really go into specifics on who it is, but they say a panel of their experts vote without any sort of really guidance. They said you could vote purely on coach accomplishments, purely on record, but really whatever they're feeling. So this is really kind of one big melting pot of what everybody, I'm assuming at least around the country in some respect, think about coaches around college football. So as we get into the conversation, Jacob, thank you as always for coming on the program. It's no surprise that Ohio State is on the top with Ryan Day clocking in at number six in the country as far as head coaches go. We'll go over the top five above them and see if there's anyone who really stands out. In fact, we can do that right now before I let you get in here. It's uh, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Dabo Sweeney, Lincoln Riley, and Jimbo Fisher the top five coaches, according to CBS Sport, then Ryan Day comes in at six. Uh, I mean, we said before you went on, I said this is the, the Ohio State conversation we have to have about how good the Buckeyes are pretty much any time we have this football combo, but how good are the Buckeyes? And how good pretty is Ryan Day, I guess? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, they're pretty damn good, and it's because of uh, Ryan Day, who has kind of seamlessly stepped into that job and had very few hiccups. I mean, this was the first season that they showed – any of those hiccups, and it was still just a two-loss season. Uh, he's 34 and four in three years. So, I mean, he was – I. it's no surprise he's the highest-ranked Big Ten coach. I don't really think there's much of an argument to put him above um, – really anybody else above him. Maybe Jimbo Fisher was the only one I thought could potentially go – he could go above. But I think sixth feels right about where he should be nationally – uh, and if you look, the guys right below him, I mean, Brian Kelly, Kyle Whittingham, that feels right around, right about the same, or the, the right spot for him. So, I mean, he's really good. I'm impressed, a little bit surprised at just how well he stepped in, considering who he was replacing. And it's been seamless, like I said, and they've still remained a, the best team in the Big Ten. And really maybe establish themselves even more than they did during Urban's, Urban Meyer's run, at least maybe towards the end of it at least. But they've been really good, and it wasn't really a surprise. He was both the, the top coach in the Big Ten and, and a top six head coach nationally. Yeah, it, you can say it's easy inheriting that and maybe even continuing on in the short term. But Ryan Day has now, I think, enough under his belt to say that he's the real deal. He is legit. I mean, this offense, we're talking about stuff about how talented the teams are in general. I mean, the offense he puts together in the playbook, forget the talent, is just really, really good. And yes, you have to have the talent to do it. But from being able to do it on the field still to maybe even more importantly, being able to recruit still, 
after that kind of a big coaching change, just huge, huge. And I agree, Jimbo Fisher maybe is the one guy you could put him ahead of in that class. But again, Jimbo Fisher is coming off the top recruiting class in the entire country in 2022. So that helps things as well. But the point is it's elite company and that's not something we're not used to with Ohio state. This is an elite team and we're quite honestly, just pushing them out of the way. We have to do that sometimes. It's like when we talk about the best of the best, it's like, all right, yes, Ohio state's there. Let's talk about everybody else and who can challenge Ohio state and all that. I want to hear from you just as you look through, and I know you talked about this on locked on Hoosiers getting away from Ohio state, what else in these rankings, top to bottom, surprise you, stick out to you, things that, uh, I mean, again, were just a surprise. Yeah, I mean, a couple things. One, I mean, Jim Harbaugh jumped 14 spots to number nine. Uh, probably, I mean, warranted. Um, yeah. it, he was incredible, but the fact he went from someone that seemed like his job was uncertain this yeah. about this time last year in the offseason to – Big Ten title, beating Ohio State, college football playoff appearance. Um, he's he's back, and he, it seems like he's going to be there for a while now. So just the fact that he jumps into the top ten. Uh, one of the most questionable ones I had was Pat Fitzgerald being 21st. Uh, he fell from eighth last year, uh, but the fact he is coming off a three-win season – and still ranked 21st. And as you pointed out beforehand, ranked ahead of Mel Tucker, who is 24th. Uh, Mel Tucker jumped 33 spots to 24th. Man, I know Northwestern kind of bounces between like a three-win season and a Big Ten title game, but like 21st seems really high, especially when you start looking at the guys around him and who he's ranked above. And that just seemed, man, that just seems like a really high ranking to me. I agree. And Mel Tucker was the name that like jumped, jumped out at 24. But I mean, Minnesota's PJ Fleck is at 23. Again, we'll go over the numbers just for people listening. It's Northwestern's Pat Fitzgerald, 21. Minnesota's PJ Fleck at 23. Mel Tucker from Michigan State at 24. I mean, I mean, I, I would have put Mel Tucker over both of those guys. But yeah, Pat Fitzgerald being at the top of the three, it, it seems like that order should be flipped. But again, I, I mean, I guess when you're talking about 21, 23, 24, it doesn't really matter. I, I want to talk about what I, why is it that you think differently about a Pat Fitzgerald compared to like a PJ Fleck? Cause PJ Fleck has had, I, I guess, a little bit more consistent success over at Minnesota, but he, he hasn't reached the heights that Pat Fitzgerald has. I mean, that'd be the argument for having Pat Fitzgerald so high is that the highs have been really high. I mean, they were in the big 10 title game um, and like, yeah, he deserved the ranking last year, but, I, it feels like with uh, with Minnesota, there's maybe a little bit more of a baseline there. Um, I'm just kind of looking at their records. Um, I mean, they were three and four in the COVID year, but every other season, uh, well, his first season they were five and seven, but he's went to the bowl or went uh, to a bowl game every other season, was 11 and two in 2019. So, I mean, it feels like there's a little bit more consistency there. It's just, just the... <laughs> if you just lay it out as like Fitzgerald's coming off a three win season and is a top 25 coach, just kind of saying that and not just a three win season, he's had two, three win seasons in his last three years. It feels like there's a lot of volatility in there. Now he's also had a number of 10 win nine win seasons during his time at Northwestern. So, I mean, maybe over the 
grander scope of things that maybe he is a top 25 coach, but it, it feels like a lot of these rankings, when you look at them are a little bit reactionary to the past season, which is, I guess what happens when you just do it once a year. And it just didn't feel like there was much of a reaction to him having a second three win season and, in three years. So I would put, I mean, I was really impressed with Michigan state this year. We talked about him with Mel Tucker. Uh, I would have, I agree with you that if you just flipped those three coaches, I'd have been fine with it. Um, but I mean, we're ultimately talking about, I mean, they're three, they're all within 21 to 24. So, I mean, they're roughly ranked about the same. Uh, I just would have flipped them because it, it feels just feels weird to see him. Uh, maybe it's a little bit of uh, envy as well because Tom Allen had a two-win season and dropped 20 spots. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald has a three-win season and dropped 12, 13 spots. So maybe I'm just a little bit envious as well. It's got to start a little bit. Indiana's, as you mentioned, uh, obviously huge drop-off on the field for him and it coordinates with the coaches ranking here with this. I mean, I feel like people in Indiana are, are still – on the Allen bandwagon, no? Oh, very much so, yeah. Nobody right. is, nobody's jumped off that yet. Mm-hmm. So what is it that this guy has? Is it just winning more? I mean, we're going to talk about these rankings for a little bit longer here, but, uh, I mean, is it that simple? It does seem like right now this is all just based on what you did for me lately, which I, I guess makes sense. But at the same time, it's, like, kind of hard to figure out. Yeah, that was the argument. I talked about this um on locked on Hoosiers on Wednesday, it, it, this has to be a reaction to last season because like all those years building up to uh, 2020 still happened and 2020 still happened. Um, I, it, but you also can't just like write off a two and 10 season. Like I was horrible last year and there's no, there's no real way to, to phrase it other than that. So um 40 felt it felt a little bit low, but like I, I can't really make much of an argument for for him being a lot higher than that. But I mean, I IU fans, there isn't the level of expectation there for the football team. So like he, the fact that he was able to do what he did in 2020 bought him some number of years, like quite a while to to stick around, and so far the 2021 season is kind of an aberration on his, like uh, when he's coaching or on his record. Um, He's largely been a successful coach. We just, we don't go to bowl games and he's taken us to many of them. So the level of expectation isn't there nearly as much. Football is just something to pass the time until basketball season, most of the time for, um, for Tom Allen. So, or for IU, I should say. So Tom Allen yeah, I mean, just kind of getting back to the baseline of, of getting bowl eligibility, six wins, I think would it just be like a terrific season, a bounce back year for him. Um, but yeah, I was a little surprised that you go, he went from a top 20 coach to, I mean, he fell 20 spots to 40th. And there's a couple names around him I was surprised by um, that were ranked ahead of him. But again, there's a, a group of Big Ten coaches kind of right around in that area as well. Yeah, you've got Indiana at 40, uh, Illinois is at 38 with Brett Bielema, Rutgers is at 36. So, yeah, there's kind of that middle of the pack there, and that's middle of the pack overall in this list, too, from 1 to 65 as well. Uh, 
before we move on here, just talking Hoosiers with you, it's one of the more interesting storylines, I think, going into this season is how Indiana is going to try and bounce back here because, I mean, you can speak to it, but the talent was more than two-win talent. Yeah. How does it then translate to whatever this season is? What are the expectations for this season? Is a bowl game an expectation or a hope? No, it's definitely a hope. Um I bowl games at IU are never really an expectation last year probably would have been the only only time it was an expectation um because I I mean it, it's not a joke IU just simply does not ever go to bowl games and they haven't won a bowl game almost in my lifetime it was the early 90s was the last time they won a bowl game um so it's just not I that's never an expectation this season I I, I don't even know if there's like a a quantifiable like win total or number or something to, to determine it a successful season. Um, I think just kind of not being as bad as last year and like uh, showing improvements and showing that last year was a blip and that, that the wheels haven't completely fallen off. Um, whether that's a five win season, a six win season, seven, whatever it is, getting to a bowl game, making a bowl game, I don't know that he has to hit any benchmark there, just kind of proving that the wheels haven't fallen off. He still has control of this program. Um, and we're, IU is kind of building back up again because, I mean, they have so much turnover from – I mean, you, when you win two games, everybody pretty much abandoned ship, and that was – especially offensively, there is almost nobody coming back to this team offensively next season. Um, so he has to deal with a lot of turnover. So I don't know if there's like a, a specific benchmark he has to hit other than just don't be as bad as last year and just improvement and making and giving the idea to fans that um, last year isn't the new norm and that he still has the ability to motivate these guys and make them an average team, which is really all Indiana ever really hopes for. It's a weird situation to be in as a fan. Uh, not quite as weird as being a Nebraska fan, though. The Cornhuskers are borderline favored to win the Big Ten West. But at the <laughs> same time on these lists, Scott Frost is at the bottom of all 14 Big Ten teams, listed at 53 out of 65 Power 5 coaches. This is a guy who last year, maybe part of those expectations are the fact that he was able to play pretty much everybody close without winning any of them. But th this is such an odd, odd Nebraska team with everything going on around it. The expectations are high, but at the same time, are they? It's, it's again, <laughs> really weird. <laughs> I, uh, I have routine, maybe not routinely. Every so often I go and look at the uh, FPI for ESPN just to see if they like corrected themselves at all and maybe there was a number input but we did wrong. we did bet online lines too nebraska wasn't that far behind wisconsin for the west either it, it is i don't get it <laughs> that feels like a really safe bet probably one i'll be making for bet online but uh i think that this poll is a lot closer than the fpi numbers because i just am not a believer in scott frost and I'm surprised he has a job. I know we've mentioned that a couple of times. Basically, every time you talk Nebraska football, you have to be amazed that Scott Frost is still in charge. Um, I, I don't, I don't understand how they're favorites. I mean, unless you're really building 
a case off of them being close last year. And the idea is that they would improve upon that and get over the top this year. Outside of that, I don't know. And that would like making that jump would require a coach that is capable of doing that. And I mean, I don't think I'm alone in saying that I don't have a lot of a uh, faith in Scott Frost in doing that because he hasn't done it since he left UCF. Like he is not, he's only won 15 games in I think four seasons in Nebraska. So I don't know. I, I don't get it with the Nebraska love. Um, I would love to be in the Big Ten West and have a chance at uh, being a team like Nebraska and being a potential favorite to win the division, but I don't see it. I, I, I'm much closer to where um, the this poll is, and honestly, Scott Frost might not even be this high if I were to rank out the uh, coaches, but most of the guys under him are first-year head coaches, so I don't know. I, I don't understand it. I'm surprised Scott Frost has a job and I just don't really, it feels like I'm missing something when I look at these projections for Nebraska. Yeah, it is right now, Wisconsin, and these are lines to win the whole big 10, not just the West. So Wisconsin on the West side, is it plus a thousand? Then it's Nebraska plus 1400 over at bet online. And I mean, they're in front of an Iowa at plus 2000 and uh, looking at Minnesota at plus 2,800. I mean, I guess it's a combination of one, the West is weak. It's yeah. a weak West. It's been a weak West. Uh, Nebraska does have returning talent in places where a lot of schools that were good last year have a lot of guys who are departing. But at the same time, again, it's it's still this Scott Frost team that, what are we on, year five, year six coming up now, that, as you mentioned, has not done it once since arriving at Lincoln. It's a prove it kind of thing. As you said, I, I don't think you can bet on teams not winning the conference, but if you, if you I'm going to find some way to, to make this bet or something, I don't know. It, it just feels like insanity and easy money. Like I, when you look at Kirk friends at Iowa or Paul Chris at Wisconsin, like I trust those guys to take worse rosters and be better than Nebraska than um, Scott Frost taking whatever roster he has at Nebraska and winning the big 10. Bet online covers all of your sports gambling needs. If you want all the information before you actually put your money anywhere, Bet Online has you covered. If you want to actually make those bets and make a wider variety of options of bets than anywhere else, Bet Online has you covered. If you want to go to a place where the website just looks nice, as not all sports betting websites do, Bet Online has you covered. Head on over to Bet Online right now for a one-stop shop for everything that you need going on with your sports gambling needs. It's really that simple. Bet online and sign up for free right now. Yeah, I mean, you got him over Kirk Ferentz. You got him over yeah. Paul Christ. You got him over guys established Big Ten winners, guys who know how to win this conference. It's something. I mean, again, it's not on this list. It's not in this list of coaches. But as far as where people are actually saying the games are going to go. Uh, Nebraska, the top or near the top, is just not something that seems rational one year to the next. If they're getting better, fine, they're getting better. But it's not a kind of jump you see people making all the time. And again, you've got the longest tenured coach in college football at one school in Kirk Ferentz. And you've got insanely, insanely reputable coaches who are here going to try and beat somebody that they've consistently beaten before. Again, it's, we can pound it into the ground as much as we want here, but it's just, 
it feels like there has to be something we don't know, right? Like it, there's the thing where you're going at lines and you find one and you see how could this spread be this way or how could that be that way? It has to be that Vegas knows something we don't. But I think that way when I'm talking about like player situations, not with coaches. Yeah. And I mean, when you look at these rankings, Iowa's 13th, Wisconsin's 14th, 40 spots ahead of, of Scott Frost, Penn State comes in at 15th. Um, yeah, I, I'm just, when you just look at like what Nebraska has done, I just don't even really fully understand where you would get the level of confidence to rank them that high anyway. Like, um, again, you'd have to be building most of this off the idea that they were, they played everybody so close and just natural progression means that they're going to be better and they're going to take that leap next year. But I just don't understand where you would get the faith that that leap is coming other than like assuming everybody's going to get better because I mean, it's just three and six, three and six, three and five, one and one and eight are there big 10 records under Scott Frost. So I don't know how you look at that and think, yeah, that team, that team's the second best team in the big 10 West this year. That just seems wild to me. Right. It's the combination of what the numbers say. And also again, what you said, having faith that a team's going to get better in being able to kind of make this kind of projection. And that's the, that's the side of it that people, uh, I think everybody outside of the people actually putting the numbers on the board are starting to wonder about is just like, how can you have that kind of faith in a guy to a point where again, the sports books are putting this kind of not money, but I don't even know what it is. They're putting the lines out where Nebraska is up there. It, again, we'll, we'll move on, but it, it doesn't <laughs> seem like. Well, this is also kind of the intersection of, I am very, very pro analytics, but this feels like one of those intersections where the numbers can tell you one thing, but there's a human element that I still think that you have to account for. And it, and the human element would tell you no matter what the, you assume the numbers are, what the numbers say that this, there's no way this could be the second best team in the big 10. And it's one of those things where when you look at the Vegas odds, I, I'm one that always looks at them and I'm like, I'm always hesitant. Cause I'm like, how in the world is, are these odds like this? But my Vegas always knows, but I don't know what Vegas knows on this one because yeah, I don't, I don't understand these odds at all. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, I'm looking down the line. I guess we didn't even go all the way down the list here. We, we said uh, Ohio state six, Michigan nine, blah, blah, blah. We went top 25 Purdue 30 Rutgers, 36, Illinois, 38, Indiana, 40, Maryland at 50. And no real surprises throughout the rest of that list. I'm just trying to wrap up and see if there's anything that we may have missed going through all of this. And I, I don't think we really did. I mean, these, things as we mentioned it's pretty straightforward for the most part the best teams have the best coaches but it's a matter of execution too and i mean i don't know what do you i guess that's a good way to wrap it up what do you take from this kind of stuff what do you take from coaching in general i feel like the analytics guys in general have always been like there's no such thing as good coaching there's just not bad coaching just don't get in the way of what the numbers say your players are going to be able to do at the same time I'd argue Scott Frost has maybe done some bad coaching throughout his time. So that should be taken into effect. But uh, I mean, as far as just obviously off the field, the football coaching matters and on the field coaching matters in football more than any other sport. So I shouldn't really uh, downplay it all that much, but if you're in Nebraska, are you not uh, confident? That's a stupid question, but 
are you at least hopeful with this? Yeah. I think bad coaching is probably more noticeable than good coaching. And that's the idea I usually have um, when looking at a lot of these, like if I can go through a game and not really think about a mistake or something, a coaching error of some sort, then that, I mean, I've watched IU a lot and I've seen a lot of moments where I've thought, what in the world are they doing? And there were those moments last season, but ultimately I do think coaching in football probably matters, probably matters the most kind of among the big sports um, when it comes to like baseball, basketball, football, things like that. I would say that it probably matters most. And even then, Generally, I put more emphasis on what the players do than what the coaches do, Um, because if you're a coach, you can put the players in this right spot to succeed. And if the players don't execute, then there's not a whole lot else you can do. Um, So in general, when I look at coaching, it's if guys are putting their players in the best spots to succeed. And that's why. I mean, again, not to belabor the point, I, I don't know that Scott Frost is is that type of coach, but really uh, most everybody above him, um, I think that's why there's kind of that big gap between the Tom Allens, um, the Jeff Brahms, the guys like that all in that 30 to 40 range, Greg Shiano's. I think that's why there's kind of a big gap. I think all those guys generally can put their players in the best um, position to succeed and everywhere above that. Um, we'll do as much. And then you get after that. And it's a lot of guys who don't really do that. And that's, I mean, that's reflective in the rankings in general, but that's just a general idea I have when I kind of look at these coaching lists and try to rank coaches and things of that matter. All right. Well, I, I turned it into a conversation about coaching theory. So I guess we've pounded this list into the <laughs> ground enough for one episode, Jacob. It's going to be a good, at least season, of course, of exciting season at the very least interesting season i'd say at the very least to see how all this plays out in the big 10 and of course we're looking forward to it jacob has off-season coverage of everything going on at indiana every single weekday from monday through friday and uh, the thumbnail for this one's gonna have to be something scott frost is the worst coach in the big 10 or something <laughs> like that i don't know subscribe on youtube it's locked on big 10 and of course subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to locked on big 10 and locked on hoosiers uh, jake thanks as always for coming on and joining the show yep look forward to it every week i'll be back here in just a minute to wrap things up here on locked on big 10 if you've been listening to the show for a while now you know that built bar is always coming out with new stuff and they've got a good one here in their latest batch. It's the Brownie Batter Puff. It's a new thing from Built Bar, the Built Puffs. Maybe you've heard us talk about them before. These are their protein bars that are covered with 100% chocolate, but the Built Puffs have marshmallow on the inside. It's chocolate on the outside, marshmallow on the inside, and in this particular case, a brownie batter flavor to it on that inside too. If you're a chocolate lover, you're gonna wanna try this one out. And I know what you're thinking. It, It can't have all that chocolate and brownie batter and marshmallow in there and still be good for you, right? Let me read the numbers for you. 17 grams of protein, seven grams of sugar, only 140 calories. It's all the stuff you want and none of the stuff you don't. You've come to love it from Built Bar and now they're just honestly throwing everything out the window as far as the rules for protein bars go. It's brownie batter, inside chocolate, 
while still staying under 150 calories and giving you the protein you need. If you go to Built.com right now, you can see it and every other thing that Built Bar has to offer. And of course, use our code LOCKED15 there to get 15% off your first order, again at Built.com. Finishing up here on Locked On Big Ten, thanks again to Jacob for joining the show with us today. Before we go, some thoughts on what's going on in the SEC between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. If you haven't been keeping up, it's one of the biggest news stories of college football in the last month, I guess, just because of how slow things have been, at least in the offseason, and they generally are. But, but, but headlines being made by coaches at press conferences is not something we usually see in May. But instead, Nick Saban, in what wasn't a press conference, I think I saw the clip he was sitting down holding a microphone looked like some sort of thing he was speaking at. But he pointed out the Texas A&M number one class we pointed out with Jacob earlier and that Alabama was number two. He claimed Jimbo Fisher buys all his players while Alabama does it the right way. Fisher comes back this morning and uh, really just tears apart Nick Saban uh, in a lot of different ways. I mean, you can go look up quotes if you want, but basically just saying like, what are you talking about? We didn't do anything wrong. We didn't break the rules. And he knows the way that Alabama has been doing things before he said, or he didn't say that particular. He says he, he has ideas. He suggested that he knows how things go around places. I, again, don't really know, but he, he was, of course, full backlash and did not hold back. I'm not going to be able to give it all credit. You should go look up and see some of the things that he said yourself. But the point is, Nick Saban is unhappy, I guess, and I'm pausing here because I was about to say unhappy with NIL, but I don't really think that's the case here. He's unhappy with losing. And Alabama did not lose. Number two team or number two recruiting class in the country in 2022. But I just don't get the hesitance to accept this. I've mentioned it before, but it must be especially hard for a guy like Nick Saban, who was the one who had all the power before and had done all of the winning on the recruiting trail. Now he has some competition in the form of real dollars. But if Alabama just started spending the money, they would be able to be just fine. They'd still be Alabama. They still are Alabama. And to be quite honest, I think Alabama's spending plenty of money on NIL recruits on their own. So I really do think this is just a problem with Nick Saban not wanting to lose. But why do you do it this way? Why would you go and advertise to your commits and future that... Hey, hey, the way that gets you a lot of money, in my head, that's the wrong way. If I'm Jimbo Fisher right now, I'm going on Twitter or whatever it is, and I'm posting immediately, hey, if you want to go up and do things the wrong way at Texas A&M, Alabama commits, anybody, we got bags waiting. Obviously not in that exact words, but if this is the wrong way, count me in. Every single Big Ten team should be doing it the wrong way, as long as it's the legal way still. And again, that may change at some point. We don't know when. But while the floodgates are open, it seems so weird that somebody as smart and experienced as Nick Saban would take such a foolish route. I don't... I don't know what he's thinking exactly. It seems like a desperation to try to hold on to this power, but everything's pushing against him at this point. That's all for today on Locked On Big Ten. We'll be back tomorrow with Matt Sheehan of Locked On Spartans to talk about what exactly is going on with the NCAA's decision to lax some of the conference championship game rules. Could it mean the Big Ten could get out of division sooner than later? Of course it does, but we'll break it all down with Matt later in the show.